It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 707 on a Saturday morning, 72.8 degrees outside of the studios of News Talk WSB. We're here to help you be a better, more successful gardener. All you have to do, give us a call, 404-872-0750. Ashley Frasco will answer the phone, get your name and where you're from and what you want to ask, and you will be on the air within minutes. Scott is in Winer, and Scott joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Scott, good morning. Good morning. What can I do for you? I had a question. My um, wife and I want to start a organic blueberry farm. Sure. I'm getting mixed information about sun and shade. Well, which which is better? Sun makes sugar, and the blueberry orchards that I see that are successful are all in full full sun. Full full sun. You got it. The oh, soil for all of them has been tilled very well, made soft, and uh, the pH adjusted so that the soil is on the acid side rather than on the alkaline side. Because that's one of the things that blueberries like is to have more acid soil than a lot of other plants do. So they're really, really good when starting their new part of their blueberry farm. They till it, till it, till it, till it, add organic matter to it, add lime or not lime, maybe sulfur to lower the pH. And that's how you have successful blueberries, is being very particular about the preparation beforehand. How about a certain type that would grow better here in Georgia, opposed to something else? Uh, there are bunches of different varieties of blueberries. I've mentioned Oclocony, which is one the University of Georgia put out recently. If you really want to do organic farming on a pretty big scale, the great resource for you is the organization of organic farmers in Georgia. Georgia Organics is the name. And you just look it up on the internet and contact the Georgia Organics folks and have a little talk with them about marketing and you know management of pests and things like that because they're a lot better than I am on a commercial scale of knowing what to do when you have a couple of acres of blueberries or you have a particular insect problem that you don't want to spray chemicals for. I got it. Well, thank you very much. I, I, let me mention something, Scott. One of the things that I have really enjoyed over my lifetime is picking fruit from pick-your-own-places. And I was in Brevard, North Carolina last week, and there was a pick-your-own-blueberry place that the person I was traveling with said, let's go pick blueberries. And so I went in and uh, talked to a fellow, real nice guy, and went down the rows. Oh, boy, these were big blueberries. Oh, man, Scott, they were big and sweet. And we got a half a gallon in about 30 minutes, I guess. And so if you want to do a pick-your-own operation, that's another thing that Georgia Organics can advise you on. But bottom line, it's about preparation. That's where you'll determine whether you're going to be successful or not, and Georgia Organics is is the experts on doing that. All right, Walter, I appreciate it, and I'll give them a call. Well, good luck with it, Scott. We'll see you. All right, you. buddy, thanks. 7.10 on a Saturday morning. Who we got? Derek is in Brasselton, Georgia. Hey, Derek, good morning. Hey, good morning. What's up? Um, I've got a beautiful Bermuda lawn I haven't used anything on okay. since, uh, I guess, the fall. And um haven't put anything down at all, and I've got these light brown spots mm. about the size of a softball. And they, they kind of vary, but uh won't know how to get rid of those, what to use, whether it be a liquid or granule. Or yeah. So are you saying you haven't fertilized it at all, Derek? Not at all. I haven't done a thing. 
That's the first thing we're going to do is fertilize the lawn because, you know, any organism, you, me, Bermuda grass, your pet dog, anybody, if you don't feed them, they don't do so well. They get sick. They are very susceptible to diseases, and this could be brown patch. It could be a couple of other Bermuda grass uh, diseases, but unless the grass is fertilized enough to be a very vigorous ground-covering deep green grass, you're just way, way, way behind the eight ball on it. So we got to fertilize. That's the first thing to do. Okay. So go to any garden center, Pike, of course, but uh, other garden centers that sell fertilizer. Look for something that says, um, let me see, what would be something you'd look on there? It'll just say turf fertilizer or lawn fertilizer. The first number will be real high. It'll be something like 2564, 2529-2632. And one of those turf fertilizers without the weed killer, not a weed and feed, just plain turf fertilizer, lawn fertilizer. Um, put it out according to the label. It'll tell you exactly you know, how many pounds to put per thousand square feet and fertilize it, water it in, and give it a week or so to start working in the plant. And it should green up and the bright okay. brown spots you have in the lawn may start to fade away as the uh, grass around them moves into that light brown spot. But fertilizing about four times a, a year, once in the spring, a couple, a couple, three times in the summer, that's what you have to do to make Bermuda grass happy. Okay. Uh -huh. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right. At least it's a pretty simple answer, Derek. Go yeah. out, feed it, make sure the Bermuda gets fed. Then we'll start on the round places. Fair enough. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling, Derek. That is important. you got to feed them. If you don't feed your plants, Bermuda is a good heavy feeder. And so, as I said, four times during the summertime. The first fertilizing on Bermuda grass would be sometime in late April, I guess, when it's about 80 to 90 percent green. That'd be the first time. Wait six weeks, do it again, six weeks again, six weeks again. And those fertilizations will really, really help Bermuda grass to get off and go and, and cover over any brown places or weed spots or bare areas where the kids played softball or whatever you got. Fertilizing, that's the big thing to do. Helen is in Sandy Springs. You're on News Talk WSB. Helen, good morning to you. Good morning can, there. How can I help? Listen, you're busy. You're popular. <laughs> we'll see. What can I do for and you, And I Helen? know why. Okay. I've got uh, probably a very simple question here. I, was, I, had, um, I have at the bottom of our backyard, mm -hmm. I have uh, some gardenias. Yeah. And a, um, we planted, my son and I planted a... Um, Azalea a couple of years ago, okay. and it had mulch around it. it has mulch, and uh, I fed them. But I guess now it's about a month later, or maybe more than a month. And I look down, and I see my gosh, the liriope is getting closer and closer <laughs> to them. The liriope yeah. that was not there before. Oh, so amazing. I had I had the the guys that come out and help, I uh, said, pull some of that stuff out, but I've got to find out. Yeah. Can I, I uh, don't know whether I can put, what do I do to get rid of it other than pull it out? You can't just uh, put killer. What, what? If you, will you, are you comfortable using Roundup? Is that something you're well, okay with? Well, that's what using? I was thinking, yeah, killer. <laughs> if you have a pretty big piece of cardboard, you can just put the cardboard between the Liriope and right. the leaves and branches of your azalea and gardenia and spray the Roundup on the leaves of the Liriope. It doesn't 
transmit right. from the leery oak to the plants nearby. Roundup, once it hits the plant or once it hits the soil, is Good. pretty much immobile from then on. It doesn't go anywhere, and so that would be my recommendation. That's just what to, I was hoping. Yeah, protect yeah, your plants. Yeah, because that would be and, easier than pulling it. I mean, he pulled yeah. the, but he didn't get the roots, and I know that. I know that leery oak is blooming right now. Do you know what color the flowers are on your leery oak patch? Ours is not blooming at this point, and it does bloom maybe later. Yeah. And it's usually a, a bluish color. That's actually a good answer because if you have strictly white flowers on Lirio, my mm-hmm. experience is that that's more likely to be a species of Lirio that's very invasive. It's called Lirio spicata. And yeah. it just grows everywhere and spreads everywhere. You don't want the ones with a complete white flower. But no, the Lirio muscari, which is probably now what you have, is a clump forming Lirio. So it doesn't spread out through everything so fast. That's the white flowers. That's good to yeah. know. Yeah. If you want to see a comparison of the two, you can go to my website. I've got pictures of both. and just type yeah. spicata, S-P-I-C-A-T-A, and it'll take you to the page of showing flowers of both of them and how to know whether you have the spicata, the spreading lirio, or muscari, which is the clumping lirio. Okay. And a quick, quick question. Ligustrum, is that a ground cover, kind mm. of a, a evergreen? No. It's a shrub. I'm trying to think of what I have. I'll have to call you back then. Well, I have a better thing than that. If you go to my website, it's a part of the website called Name That Plant. And if you go and type in some information that we need so we can make sure we know where you are, you can submit three pictures of whatever plant in the world you want to identify. Well, that's good to know, too. If I don't get down to Pike's first. Yeah, or go to Pike. Pike people know what they're talking about. That's the only other thing I do is take a sprig down there. (laughs) And <laughs> but, oh, I, I'm glad about this Liriope, though, yeah. because uh, I think ours is, is blue. It's a pretty flower, but it usually comes more oh, September or late mm, August. Maybe so. Maybe so. Mine's blooming now, so that's why I'm thinking of Liriope. And you have that purplish... Yeah, I have the purplish color in most of my landscape, but every once That's in a pretty. while I will see the spicata liriope and think, oh, I need to get some Roundup over there and kill that yeah, stuff. Yeah, get, get rid of that. Okay, good me. enough. Well, thanks so much. This will That'll make my, my job a little yeah, bit. I won't get to them to do the lyrio. Uh... Okay, good enough. Sure enough. Thanks for calling, Helen. All right, thank you so much. Coming up from the next half hour, Jim and Hiram wants to know how to control white flies on crepe myrtles. If he has tried seven insecticide, it hadn't done very well for him. What should he do? Jack in Atlanta wants to bring in soil for a raised bed. He needs to know about how many inches deep should that raised bed be. And Beta has a question about you growing a blueberry in a pot. She hadn't been successful yet. Is there a way to be more successful than growing blueberries in a pot? That and your question as well, 404-872-0750. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. For white guy. My friend Scott Maxwell. An interesting case. <laughs> Pretty fly for a white guy. Yes, it is. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. 
Eh, it's going to be hot. I mean, you didn't want me to say it's going to be in the 70s today. It's going to be 90, 94, 92 degrees this afternoon. Only a slight chance of isolated showers. 20% sounds about right. And tonight in the upper 60s overnight, coming up into the 70s, 80s, 90s again tomorrow. You get your full weekend forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Let us talk to Jim in Hiram since we talk about white things here. Hey, Jim, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing all right. What's up? Well, I just have crepe myrtles that are covered in white flies. They've got the leaves black. I've used uh, Liquid 7 on them, and it doesn't seem to affect them. The easiest thing I have ever found to control white flies on crepe myrtles and gardenias, aphids on crepe myrtles as well, is one of the systemic insecticides. And what that means Mm -hmm. is that rather than just hitting them when you contact the bug with the insecticide, that it actually makes the sap of the tree or the shrub poisonous. So any sucking insect, like a white flower or an aphid, when they take a drink out of the sap of the tree, they're poisoned, they go away. That's the end of that story. So if you don't mind using a systemic insecticide, heck, you get bare tree and shrub, a bonide, uh, systemic granules, there's two or three other brand names, but all of them will say on the label, systemic insecticide for control of sucking insects, and that's what you want. And that you apply to the roots? Yeah, yeah. you, you drench the ground around the plant. Usually it does better if you drench a little bit earlier in the year. April, May is probably better because the roots are growing faster and absorbing things a little bit more rapidly then. But I think you'll get real good control if you even do it now. Okay, that's great. Systemic insecticides. So I will warn you, and if you do a little research, you don't know, well, you don't have to do a lot of research at all, but systemic insecticides, generally speaking, belong to a class of chemicals called neonic, N-E-O-N-I-C, neonicotinoid insecticides. And the neonics are in the, in the news a lot these days because there's some suspicion that some of the neonic insecticides that farmers use affect honeybees and could be one of the one of the contributors to colony collapse disorder. My feeling is the use that you're going to put this to is not going to have much damage to pollinators or honeybees or anything else because they don't visit crepe myrtle flowers all that much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that you're you know, well within the ecological realm to use a systemic on the, on the crepe myrtle to get rid of all these white flies. Okay, well, I'll give it a try. All right, Jim, thanks for calling. Great talking Thank to you. you. on a Saturday morning. Tom and Roslyn, in just a minute, we'll talk about a ground cover that stays green in the shade. What can we give him to do that? Jack in Atlanta, again, wants to know about his raised bed and how deep to do it. And Beta and her blueberry plants not doing so well in the pot. If you want to join us, 404-872-0750. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be right back after news. and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 736, 73 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. 
I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden by answering your questions to make the practical answer what you can accomplish and do uh, your job of gardening a little bit better. Bring a little happiness into the garden as well because that certainly makes me happy to walk around in my garden and landscape too. And if you're not happy when you're outside in your garden, then you've got too much garden. You need a little bit of adjustment on how much garden you have. Jack is in Atlanta and you're on News Talk WSB. Jack, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing? I'm all right. What's going on, Jack? Good. Well, I'm in the Grant Park area, and we have gotten permission from the Atlanta Housing Authority to use some of their land for a community garden. Got it. Um, but we're not going to be able, able to rototill at all. We have to build raised beds and bring in soil right. and put it, put it on top of the existing soil without digging at all. Got it. And we're going to have like 20 to 30 raised beds. So we don't know what people are going to be raising. Different people will grow different things. Right. So the question is, how much soil, how deep should we make the beds so that we've got a wide variety of possibilities for people to come in and grow whatever they want to inside these beds? Ooh, Jack. I'm going to say minimum 10 inches, maximum 12. I don't think you get any advantage by going any more than 12 inches. And if you've got a uh, whatever's lining your beds, if you had a 2 by 12 uh, piece of wood, that would probably be enough. So 2 by 12s is what I think you ought to use. All right. All right. See, that's an easy answer. I just think if you get any lower than that, down to 6 inches of depth, there's just too many roots of some of the bigger um, um, vegetables, pumpkins, sweet potatoes, things like that, that they would rather not be in that shallow of a soil. So 10 inches might do okay for the sweet potatoes and things, but I think 12 inches is going to be adequate for anything your neighbors want to grow there. All right, great. All right. Where are you going to get the soil from, Jack? Well, we're going to look around a little bit. We'll, pro we'll probably be making some of our own compost to yeah. add into it after Good. a while. Good. But we're going to have to look around and, and see. I mean, it's going to be a lot of soil. Does so that, we, haven't, we haven't figured that out yet. Does the place over on Memorial Drive that sells sand and rocks and things like that, do they sell soil as well, or do you know? They do. I don't know if it's, if it's good enough to do completely... A, you know, a vegetable garden with yeah. just theirs or not. We haven't, we haven't checked into that. We're yeah. just, just beginning into those, those details. There's going to be a lot of soil, though. You're really <laughs> smart to go to the place where you're going to get the soil, examine it, you know, put it in your hand, sort of rub it back and forth, see if it's got a little bit of sand in it, see how much organic matter it has in it, and, you know, don't just call somebody on the telephone and say, hey, deliver us two truckloads of whatever you got. You really, really, because in your case, you want your folks to be successful, and you really depend on how good the soil is when it's first put into the beds. So, uh, yeah, go investigate. Go find out what works for, or what is on sale from the various landscape supply places and get the best one. Well, that's what we're going to do, because it's, right. it's going to be more than two truckloads. We're gonna have, yeah. We could have 20 beds 10 feet long. That's a lot of soil. Call for volunteers. That's what you need to help <laughs> unload those trucks. It's going to be fun. Try to try to do it on a cloudy day, Jack. Just a little hint there. Cloudy day would be a lot better than a sunny we're, day in summertime. We're planning it for February already. Oh, that would be great. Great time in February. Let me know how it turns out. All right. Thanks for calling, Jack. We got Beta, and Beta has a question about blueberries, growing blueberries in a pot. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, Beta, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a, uh, a blueberry plant in a pot. Yeah. And uh, it was doing really well about a couple of months ago when it started blooming and having eating fruit. 
and I thought I was going to save it from the bird inside the sunroom. And for uh, about two weeks, I continued to take the food because there were no signs of damage. So did you say you took the blueberry into your sunroom? That's how you're protecting yeah. it from birds? Yeah, it was outside before right? in the sun, and it was doing well. And right around the time it was blooming and giving food, Birds were coming in. I thought, okay, I can just put it inside the sunroom. Mm, bad idea. <laughs> bad idea, but yeah. it's not going to do so well in the sunroom. No, 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 no. Yeah, for two weeks. After two weeks, I thought it was. I didn't see any damage, but I took it back back outside. Yeah, and left it there. But after I took it outside, I put a bird net on the top. So, what's your question? My question is: um, after I put the bird net, a week later, the because the leaves started drying up. Ah, yeah. So I took the net out. Now I'm watering like I'm trying to save the plant, but <laughs> it continues to dry. How, how big know. is the pot, Beta? How the far across really is the top size. of it? It's a very good-sized pot. How, b- how many big, inches, though? I want a good... It, it's probably a good uh, uh, 20, 24 inches. That's reasonable. That's a reasonable size for a blueberry. Do you remember what variety of blueberry you got to plant in the pot? It's the one I bought at Home Depot, which doesn't need another plant for cross pollination. Yeah, it's one of the. All right, here is the problems that I see, Beta. Number one, don't bring the blueberry indoors. There's no way in the world you'll get enough sunshine on the blueberry to make fruit inside, even in a real bright, sunny sunroom or in front of a, you know, a picture window or something like that, blueberries need full sun. So it has to be outside, even though the birds are pecking on your, on your berries and driving you crazy that way. And go ahead and, you know, you've made the, the uh, netting to put over it. That's a great way to keep the birds away from the fruit. Um, number two, the blueberry probably is not adapted to growing in a pot of 24 inches wide. There are dwarf blueberries and there are full-size blueberries, and my bet if you went to a big box store to buy it, it is a full-size blueberry that can be four to maybe six feet high, and your little 24-inch pot is never in this world going to be able to support a four-foot to six-foot high blueberry bush. It just can't hold enough nutrients. It can't hold enough water. It just is not going to be the right thing. On the other hand, Beta, if you go to Pike Nursery, they have a, a, a series of blueberries that are called Brazzleberry. The farm in Oregon, I think it is, has come out with a lot of dwarf blueberry plants that do fabulously well in pots on a deck, and they're not going to get so big. So my advice, basically, is go to Pike and get one of the Brazzleberry varieties. They don't need pollination. They self-pollinate themselves. And uh, use Brazzleberries instead of the great big ones that you get at the big box stores. So for this one, can I take it out and put it in the ground? And yeah, I would do that. Take it out, put it in a place that gets full sun. Make sure the ground is really soft. I covered that with a collar earlier, but make sure the ground is really, really soft when you plant it. And water it in real good. Make sure that you don't let it dry out for the rest of the summer. It'll be a lot happier in the ground than it'll ever be in that pot. So after I put it in the ground, how often to water it regularly? Well, you know, it all depends. It all depends on how much rain you get and yeah. how fine the soil is. You have to basically test it with your hand. Go out there and look and put your fingers on the soil. And if it's damp, no water. If it's dry, you got to water. I would say every couple or three days probably is what you'll need. Okay.
Thank you so much, Waldo. You bet. Appreciate it. You bet. Brazzle Berries. They're the ones that have the pink peach sorbet and the, there's two or three other brand names or variety names. They call them from Brazelton or the Brazelton family and uh, in Oregon. And they Brazzle Berries seem to work pretty well in, in containers. I think they do anyway. Tom is in Roswell, Georgia. And Tom joins us. On Hi. Good morning. Hey, Tom. Hey, I have um, Bermuda in the front of my um, house that grows great. In the back, my we kind of like having the fescue. It's about a half an acre. Wow. So, um, it, but I, I have to reseed it every spring and every fall. And when uh, the hot summer comes, <clears throat> I just lose about 50% of it. And yeah. I'm thinking I can increase. It's not so much a shade problem of the river birches I have on the periphery of the, of the lawn. I, um, but I'm thinking about either increasing the islands and come out and just, uh, you know, under the drip line of yeah. the river birches. But, but I don't know. if It seems like it's the heat to me, the reason why we can't keep the fescue going. That and shallow root systems. For of fescue to be really birch. happy, it needs to have a real soft six inches of soil for the roots to go into. And unless there was really a lot of tilling done before your fescue was planted, it's not going to yeah, be happy in the summertime. I do till it like crazy, and, and I reseed it, and it comes in right. great in the spring. But you got to re- recognize, too, that right about now, right about the first week or two in July on through the last week in August, my turf specialist down in, in Griffin, he says, I call it the fescue swoon, the summertime swoon of fescue, because fescue just in temperatures above 90 degrees, fescue is fighting for its life. And right. a lot of times the nighttime temperatures are even more important. Anything above 70 degrees at night and the fescue doesn't have a chance to recover by next day and then it's 90 degrees during the afternoon and then it's 75 at night, that is all bad news for fescue. So it's too much to put in Bermuda side and a half an acre, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. So I was wondering if there's some other ground cover that might work there. Mm, let me think. There's a ground cover that I rarely mention but I think works very well for Maybe not half an acre, but underneath trees, if you need something way back in the tree where the trunk it just makes it's really dark all day long. Asiatic jasmine, I've seen it growing in shady places, sunny places, and is not particularly invasive. But Asiatic jasmine is a oh, ground cover yeah. that's green you ought to consider. Oh, I definitely will take a look at that. And of course, yeah, the fescue is just beautiful in the winter, but it's yeah, hard yeah, yeah. To keep. That's what everybody says. Hey, it looked great up until about the first of June or July. <laughs> it looked horrible. <laughs> and the summer well, soon of fescue. That's what it does. I've been keeping it going for fifteen years, and my wife loves it. But I think I'm 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 just getting a little tired of of uh, taking care of it. So yeah. I think I'll try that Asiatic jasmine. I think a lot of landscapes in Atlanta, uh, Tom, would do a lot better if they had more ground cover underneath the trees and didn't even try to grow grass underneath there. Shade is not the greatest environment for fescue or any of the other turf grasses. Right. Well, thanks for taking my question. Hey, Tom. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. 747. Coming up in the next half hour, Kim and Grayson wants to know about planting peach trees. When to do that? Oh, boy, do I have advice for you, Kim. Uh, Gloria in Johns Creek wants to replace her Leland cypresses. Dawn in Sonoy has zoysia that's 80% brown. Does that sound good? Doesn't sound good to me. Steve Cummings says he wants to get rid of large amounts of poison ivy. And what can I do to help him get that done? Well, we'll talk to those questions and we'll talk to you as well. 404-872-0750. We'll be right back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 
Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. With a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. You know, somewhere it's cool, somewhere it's 74 degrees, somewhere the light breeze is coming off of the ocean and it's really, really pleasant. That's not Atlanta. Atlanta today is going to be really, really unpleasant. The afternoon high is in the mid-90s. 20% chance of rain throughout the day and maybe low to mid-60s overnight is not going to be a great day for being outside in the garden. Get it done now. Go inside after about 1 o'clock this afternoon. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Kim in Grayson, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden with a, with a question. Hey, Kim, good morning. Good morning, Walter. So why, um, what, what's going on with this peach tree? <laughs> well, we bought our house about a year ago, and it's just got a gorgeous backyard, a couple of acres, and yeah. terrace um, for gardening. Um, the previous owners had done a lot of work back there, and there are two mature apple trees back there. My husband has, you know, always said for the last year he'd like to add a couple of peach trees mm-hmm. um, on that back terrace, and so he's was at Home Depot the other day and found some marked down to, like, I think $10 or something. Um, They're about five feet tall. And so he brought three of them home, and he said, you know, he figured two might work out. Um, (laughs) And uh, everything we read online says we should be planting in spring. So now that we've got them and it's July, what do we do with them? (laughs) You got them now. You got to deal with them now, don't you? Plant them. You can't do anything other than plant them now. Um, And your fine husband and yourself, somebody's got to dig or thoroughly loosen, let's call it, thoroughly loosen an area about six feet wide and Mm -hmm. 10, maybe 12 inches deep so that the roots of the peach tree can really spread out as fast as they can. Okay. Do it this morning. Do it in the morning, Sunday, Monday, but don't do it this afternoon. You're going to be miserable digging that hole. <laughs> okay, so it's just like post-hole diggers and just make post-hole a big... Post-hole shovel, whatever you got. Neighbors that you somehow <laughs> bribe with a beer. <laughs> Anything you can do. You've got to have big, wide holes to put the peach tree in the middle of. And once okay. you've planted it, you water it real good, put some mulch on the ground underneath there. Um, cross your fingers real tightly, and the likelihood is, if you're pretty good about watering, it'll survive. So just keep them watered real well. Um, I mean, do you recommend any specific, you know, method of mulching or anything special? Yeah, the, the watering. It's hard to say a specific schedule for watering. It's basically, you know, depends on what the weather is, and you going right. out and just testing the soil. It needs to be moist but never soggy. Peach trees okay. do not like to have soggy roots. And so moist but not soggy is one recommendation, I guess. And um, the mulch, I use pine chips most of the time, little mini nuggets that I put underneath my trees. They work, they work pretty well. Okay, perfect. Do you have any idea about how many years before we would see any fruit on these? Um, two. I think about two. But, 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 Kim, <laughs> go to my website and type these words in, I, or okay. these letters, I-P-M. International Peach uh, uh, Merchant, IPM, and that will bring you up to a page that has a spray schedule for peaches because you and your husband are going to have to spray the peaches for insects and diseases. There's just no way hardly at all to grow peaches without spraying them because they get too many insects, too many diseases, too many problems without a spray schedule that you have to adhere to. So if you're you know, if you're thinking about being successful with peaches, get that spray schedule by typing IPM when you go to WalterReeves.com. Give you a little guidance on how to spray them and how to keep the bugs and the diseases at bay. You'll need that. Believe me, you will need that. The 758 News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be right back after news. I took a little nap with a little salt twist. Squished your rotten peach in 
and dreamed about you, a woman.